a Bible, let's go ahead and go there to Romans chapter 12. As we look at probably two of the most important verses in the whole Bible. Here in Romans chapter 12, uh, notice what Paul says in verse 1. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, Romans chapter 12 now begins a transition in the letter. Uh, We've studied chapters 1 through 11, and it's all been doctrine. But now it's time for duty. We've gone through chapters 1 through 11, and it's all about creed. Now it's time for conduct. We've gone through Romans chapter 1 through 11, and it's all about what you need to believe. Now as we transition into this section of Romans, it's about how we should behave. Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 is a bridge that we need to cross. That's one of the most important bridges in all of our life as Christians. You know, what is it that's going to change you from a creepy crawler, caterpillar, so to speak, to a beautiful and biblical butterfly? What is it that will really create that metamorphosis within your life? That will really truly change you. I mean it's one thing to know what to believe. It's one thing to have all this theology man. But it's another thing to connect the dots. And to begin to live the life of the things that you've learned in the Lord. You know and we could tell you a a million things. Until we're blue in the face. But we can never change you from the inside out. You see, and that's what God wants to do in our life, you guys. You see, we're not here as a social club. We're not here as a religion. We're not here to modify your external behavior. We are here looking up to God, asking him, Lord, change me. Change me from the inside out so that all the world can see the goodness, the love, the glory, and the character of Jesus Christ. You know, I don't know how you guys are doing in your walk. I don't know where you're at in the Lord. You know, it's cool being a Christian, man. It really is. Because as a Christian, all your sins are forgiven. You know, when God looks at you, and if you were to die today, you would go to heaven if you're a Christian. Why? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Isn't that cool? You are a blood-bought body of believers bathed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that is such a beautiful thing. And if we were to die today, we'd go to heaven. But let me tell you something, man. God wants to do so much more than just redeem you. He wants to change you. But if you really search in your heart, are you really different? Are you really changed? You know, sometimes I'll even look at my own life and, you know, sometimes people will say, oh, man, you know, this about you and that about you. And you know what? If you were to talk to people and, you know, really kind of investigate where they were at before they were Christians, a lot of these people were pretty good people before they were Christians in one sense. And now they haven't really changed that much. And a lot of us here haven't really changed radically and righteously the way that God wants us to. 
And that's what verses 1 through 2 are going to encourage us to do. You know, when we get into the rest of the book of Romans, God's going to give us a lot of details about how to live life as a Christian, the law of love, man, the specifics of service. And we're going to get into the submission into the government, and you name it. We're going to go over a lot of specifics in the remaining uh, chapters of the book of Romans. But right here, verses 1 and 2, is a bridge that is so important that I think it might even take us a couple of weeks to get through this, man. Because I didn't want to rush through it. Because I realized how important this is. I mean, this verse 1 and 2 is like a bridge that spans, if you can kind of visualize it, the Grand Canyon. And on one side, you've got the theological truth. And on the other side, you've got the life of specifics that you want to live. How can you get to the other side? Well, the way you do it is that you capture verses 1 and 2, the principle of it, and you allow the Lord to do a work in your life. I don't know about you. I don't know where you're at. I don't know how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter, really. Some of you have been a Christian for 20, 30 years. But if you search deep down inside your heart, you know you're not the man you want to be. You haven't really changed. And a lot of times, you know what ends up happening is we accept that. You know, they say, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Don't believe it. You can change. We can change. God can change us. It doesn't save us, but it brings him glory. And it blesses your wife. And it just totally blows away your children. And it radically changes and saves even. God uses it for your coworkers and your neighbors and your spouse and on and on and on. Because God does a work in our life. Lord, how can we get there? Well, look what it says here again in verse 1. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, Paul begins by begging. That's kind of a trip. You know, he's an apostle. He has an authority, man. God-given authority. Probably one of the 12. But he doesn't, you know, say, hey, I, I command you to do this. No, he says, I beg you to do this. You know, he's not ashamed to beg. It's kind of interesting when you read his letters. There are times he says, I plead you. I implore you. I urge you. I beseech you. I beg you. That's pretty passionate, huh? I mean, we wouldn't, I don't think I would like think that was okay, you know, if I didn't see that it was biblical. I beg you. I beg you. That you would present your bodies as living sacrifices. You know, Paul is different than a lot of the guys you see on TV today. He doesn't beg you that he might make a profit. No, he begs you that you might make a presentation. I plead with you. He's not ashamed of it. You know, we would be ashamed of pleading with anybody for anything. But Paul realizes how important this is, and he sees how people just go on living their same life, not really radically surrendering to the Lord everything that they are, and it's kind of like he wants to literally wake them up and say, hey, this Christianity stuff, it's real. I beg you, all of you, everyone here, not one would be missing. Lord, I beg you 
that you would present your bodies as living sacrifices. First thing we see is the pleading here. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. The second thing we see after the pleading is the presentation. Paul pleads that they would present their bodies as a living sacrifice. But notice the motivation there. He pleads with them, listen, I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, but he gives them the motivation. He says, by the mercies of God. And what does that mean? Well, that means because of the fact that God has shown us so much mercy, it should move us to present our bodies as living sacrifices. You know, I think a lot of times the reason that we don't live the way that God wants us to live or we don't pray as we should pray and we don't seek the Lord and we don't live and love and all these things learn is because we have forgotten the mercies of God. We have forgotten that, you know. I mean, think about what, where we would be today. Where would you be today if God gave you what you deserve? Remember what you said to your wife yesterday? He heard that. <laughs> Remember what you said to your kid the other day and how you put them down so low that they felt that big? You smashed them? He should smash you for that. But he didn't. And all the things we do, man, the things that we did before we were Christians, that we're so ashamed of now. I mean, the way that it works, the way that life is, you guys, if you think about it, is that when we were born, I know we were kind of born in sin. And then as we go older, you know, we reach, I guess you could say, that age of accountability. And then when we can understand the difference between right and wrong, the moment we choose wrong, Right there and then, I think, man, we should be gone, huh? Don't you think? That's what we deserve. But the Bible says God is rich in mercy. The Bible says as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. You know, that's why one of my favorite bands is Mercy Me. I like that name, man, Mercy Me. Lord, give me mercy. Not only from the past life, but even the present life and the things that I do now and the things that I fail to do now. I mean, you know, we look around our house and there are things that are undone that the Holy Spirit's been convicting you on now for 17 years. And, <laughs> and you're like, man, that's sin. The Holy Spirit told you to take care of this and you haven't done it. And yet the Lord is so merciful to us. He's so gracious to us. And so Paul says, I plead with you. Here's the motivation that you present your bodies as living sacrifices. It's kind of an interesting request that you present your bodies. Most of us would write, well, present your soul, present your spirit, present your heart, because those are the real things that matter, huh? But no, the Bible says, and this would be totally foreign to Greek thought, present your bodies as living sacrifices. Those fingers and those phone calls that you make, present that to the Lord. The things that you drink, the things that you think, present that to the Lord. Your lips, your loins, your legs, your life, present that 
to the Lord. The things that you look at with those eyes and hear with those ears, you present that to the Lord. I mean, everything just is presented to the Lord. And I think a lot of times we think, well, the body's bad. I can't present my body to the Lord. You know what? Your body's neutral. It can be good. It can be bad. It depends on what you do with it. And as we present our bodies to the Lord, then we will cross the bridge that changes our life. You know, it's kind of like the Gutierrez brothers, if I can use them as an example, you know. They, um, you know have such a gift. God gave him a gift. Did you see the way that I taught him to play the guitar like that? He was just jamming so fast, you know? And I, and I taught him this much, but then he took it farther. Why? Because God's given him an amazing gift. And so what he wanted to do, what they wanted to do, first of all, is to make it big, man. Fame, fortune, you know, recognition, riches. They wanted to go and make a name for themselves. Thank God the Lord didn't let them do that. It must have been the Lord. But now what they've done is they have presented their bodies to the Lord. And now those fingers that are flying 100 miles an hour and the voices and the everything has been given and completely consecrated to God. And that's exactly what I'm talking about, you guys. That's exactly what the Bible is talking about. You know, as that offering plate goes by, you may not have a lot of money to put in there, and that's okay, man, but can you put your life in there? Can you put your body in there? You see, that's what the Lord wants, you guys. That's the things. He wants our sexuality to be given to Him. Obediently, sexually, everything surrendered to the Lord. And as you give that to God, He'll change your life. You know, there's a real interesting verse if you go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And it talks about the same thing because I think a lot of times, you know, we just uh, complicate this and we don't realize how practical this is. We don't know, I guess you could say, like it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Notice it says in verse 19, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I have to say this to you because that's the context of the chapter, and the Bible speaks a lot about this, you need to be sexually pure. You know, we as Christians should be sexually pure. You got to wait until you get married before you can have sexual relations. And if you are not waiting until you get married, you are in sin. It's a very big sin, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, because you're sinning against your body, which belongs to the Lord. And if you are married, you got to keep your thoughts pure. Jesus said, if you lust, it's the same as adultery. And so we need to keep our bodies pure. But here we see that the really the way that it works a lot of times is that people just don't know. They don't know that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It belongs to God. He's in us and that we are not our own. And so he tells you everything about your body. And I know this is a very difficult thing for some of you here, you know, especially for me, because I'm thinking, Lord, can I have pizza, breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And God says, no. 
I want to say this to them, Lord, because do you know what they said to me? And God says, no, your body is not your own. The way that the tongue works and the vocal cords work, every single word needs to be approved by God. That's what happens when you give your body to the Lord. Everything is his. Every contemplation, every conversation, every obligation, every recreation, Every day, every moment, it all belongs to him. You see, and that's what we need to do. That's what the book of Romans tells us to do. It tells us to give our bodies to the Lord. As a matter of fact, if you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, this is very important because notice what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I think... (laughs) Is it here? Wait a minute, let me see real quick. Uh, Yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm sorry. It says in verse 9, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the what? Body. Body. According to what he has done, whether good or bad. See, I'm not talking about salvation, man. The blood of Jesus saves us. But as we offer to God our bodies, our hands, our fingers, our our toes, man, our, our words, our noses, our eyes, our ears, our everything to God, that none of those things are involved in anything that would not be pleasing to God, then one day when you stand before God at the Bema seat of Christ, you will be judged and you will be rewarded that's why in the old testament when they would you know have the priest come and and he would get consecrated they would put some blood on the right ear and the right thumb and the right toe and then they would put some oil on the right ear and the right thumb and the right toe because you see the same thing the body lord everything i hear everything i do everywhere i go everything every day let it all be for you You see, back in the book of Romans chapter 12, we see God here and we see some words that are, I think, very helpful to us. Number one, the pleading. I I beg you guys. And then we see, secondly, the presentation. You know, this is not the first time that Paul talks about presenting. If you go back to Romans chapter 6, notice what it says in verse 16. It says, do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey? And then in verse 19 of Romans 6, he says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness. For holiness. You see, it's a concept that is so rooted in the book of Romans and is so rooted in our life that we might live a life of righteousness that God wants us to do this formally and finally. You know, back in Romans 12, the word for present is in the aorist tense in the Greek language. And that means a completed whole event you know yesterday i had the privilege of going down to a castle 
in Riverside. And it was a blessing. I was able to be a part of a wedding. But you know, as the bride came forward and the groom's there and they're making that vow and that, you know, formal and ceremonial declaration, what they're doing is they're making a vow to give themselves to each other forever, you know, until the day that they die. And that's kind of what we're talking about today. That there would be a formal, that there would be almost like a ceremonial, that there would be a final declaration that you are giving yourself from head to toe, every member of your body until the day you die to God. And the aorist tense says it needs to be final. A lot of times what ends up happening is people say, yeah, I'm yours, Lord, I'm yours, Lord. And then, you know, something comes in and ruffles their feather and they're like, well, let me think about it. I I might go over here now. I'm going to go out into the world again. I'm going to do things the old way again. And I'm like, "Where, where does that come from? Didn't you make a final formal ceremonial declaration to give your body to God? Why would you be contemplating and toying, going out and living in the world? That's not an option anymore. And yet we see that happen so many times. You guys, Christians do this. They make a final formal declaration. Lord, I am all yours. Everything I touch, everything I teach, Lord, everything from this day forward is yours. You see, that's what Paul's speaking about here. In verse 1 of Romans 12, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies, notice it says right there, a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. What's that? Now, we know we have to go back to the Old Testament to kind of get a little understanding. And, And, you know, you read the Old Testament and we know that when they wanted to draw near to God, whether it be uh, through fellowship offerings or burnt offerings, you know, completely give themselves to God, they would bring the sacrifices. They would come, and it was like a barbecue. They would take the cow, they'd slice the throat or the goat or the, you name it, the turtle dove, um, the bulls, I mean, you name it, the sheep, the goats, they would kill it. And then the blood would be drained, they would take it, they would toast it on the barbecue, Sometimes it was a complete offering. Sometimes portions were given to the priest. Portions were given to them. But one thing was for sure, the sacrifice would die. And so you're looking at this and you're like, wow, what's a living sacrifice? And what that is, is that what God wants for us now to do is to live a life kind of like Isaac. He went on the altar willing to die. And God said, okay, I see your heart. I'm going to raise you up but I want you to go live for me now. Can I ask you a question? What would be easier? What do you think? And I know this is kind of like a a, a loaded question, but would it be easier to die for God or to live for God? What do you think? Who says die for God? Who says live for God? We are a divided church. No, it's not. (laughs) I don't have the answer. You know, we are living in some interesting days, you guys. And one thing I want to warn you about, I want to prepare you about, and we need to prepare each other about, is if the church and the world continue down the track that they're in, we are headed for persecution, huh? 
And the day may come where they say, hey, you can't talk about, you know, homosexuality saying that it's a sin or you can't even call sin, sin. And if you do, I'm going to put you in prison. And who knows, the day may come, maybe not too far in the future, where we might face even death for having the convictions that we have. And so if they, you know, were there and you were there standing in front of the judge, would you be able to die for your faith? For some of you here, you would, some maybe not. And, you know, I remember Pastor Raul used to always say this, you know, to, to die is one thing, you know, and, and, and I don't know the details on that. that. That might go quick and you know what, boom, you're home and it's kind of cool. It's done with. But to live for the Lord every day, that's, that's a lot, I think, in, in some ways a little bit more difficult. To live for the Lord not just on Sundays, man. Not just when you come to church. Please, doesn't that turn your stomach? Just the whole thought of thinking that people are only obedient in the presence of other Christians. That when they go out the door and they get in the car and they're home with their kids or their spouse, that they're a different person. Doesn't that turn your stomach? See, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just living the life here within these walls. I'm talking about living the life always. That wherever you go, you shine for the Lord. You see, that's what the Lord wants for our life. But we have to be willing to die so that we might live. And that's what a living sacrifice is. The only problem with the living sacrifice is when you put it on the altar, sometimes it wants to wiggle its way off. Huh? You guys, let's die. Let's die for Jesus Christ so that we might live for him. I don't feel like going to church service today, some people say. And so you don't go. And you kick back and you sleep in. You get your Pop-Tarts. You wake up and you start the day. You watch your baseball game. And you missed out an opportunity to be fed by the Lord and to fellowship with the brothers and sisters. I mean, you name it. We, We can't just do what we want to do, you guys. There's a greater calling on our life. God wants to do an amazing work. You know, I didn't have a chance to bring uh, Robert up here, but Robert, he's going to Africa tomorrow. And so we need to keep him in prayer. He's going to Cameroon, Africa. You know, and I, I don't know all the details. I know it costs a lot of money to go out there and to do what? To, to have a vacation? No, it costs a lot of money to go and to serve and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what do we do? You know, a lot of times, you know, that's not our heart. We have to have the mentality that says, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, you can have every penny. You can have every second. I need to spend time in prayer, truly on my face, on my knees, so that I can know what you want me to do. Because if you're not praying and if you're not spending time with the Lord and if you're not fasting and if you're not seeking his face, how do you know you're not just doing your own thing? The only way we'll know what God wants us to do is if we seek him with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength. And then when we're you know, quiet enough to listen, we then follow through with the marching orders that he shows us. But see, that's the way it works. We, we die to ourselves. Jesus said, if any man comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me so that we might live for him.
You see, this is the bridge between all the creed and then the conduct, between the doctrine and the duty. Paul says in Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I, I'm, I'm begging you, and I am begging you, and I'm begging myself today to fully and formally and finally present my body as a living sacrifice. And then he uses that word, holy. You see, God wants us to be holy. He really does. You know, and I'm not talking about holiness and position now. I'm talking about holiness and practice. You know, we see this over and over again within the scriptures. As a matter of fact, probably a good verse to turn to would be over in uh, 1 Peter if you go there. First Peter chapter 1. Notice what it says in verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. Notice it says in all your conduct. Because it is written... Be holy, for I am holy. You know, you don't hear a lot about holiness nowadays. You know what you usually hear when you hear, you know, you turn on the TV, and a lot of these guys out there, hey, man, God wants to bless your life. Hey, man, God wants to make you healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. Hey, man, God wants to give you a Hummer, man, and a, you know, big yellow one with shiny rims and all this stuff, man, tinted windows. You can picture it now. Just speak it, you know, and they'll tell you about all the things that, you know, God is going to do to, to bless you. And, and less, he does want to bless you, but the way that it works is that we need to have a heart for holiness. Holiness. What is holiness? Holiness is completely consecrating myself to God. I belong exclusively to Him. You see, that's what holiness is. When you think of the Lord, and I know He loves us, and I'm so grateful that He does. You know, He loves you guys. Even though I'm His favorite, He does love you guys, you know. And I'm so grateful that God loves us, not in light of us, but in spite of us. God will never stop loving us no matter what you do. He will always love you. But that's not his overriding attribute. His overriding, overarching attribute is what? Holiness. That's what the angel said. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the Bible says, as the Lord is holy, you be holy. I should be able to look at you and say, holy, holy, holy is Freddie. Or holy, holy, holy is Betty. I mean, you name it. All the people here. I know it sounds weird. You're thinking, oh, this guy's going to make me a holy roller. Listen, I'm not talking about being weird or dorky or anything like that. (laughs) I'm talking about being what God wants you to be. Totally set apart for him, in love with him, in line with him, 
You know, not going around and judging people and, hey, you're the sin sniffer of the church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who are really like Jesus, man. People who are really like Jesus. And that's what the Lord wants for our life. Paul says, I beg you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, since God has done all these things, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy. And then notice what he says back in Romans 12, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's interesting. You know, in the Old Testament, what God said is, hey, if you bring an animal, a lamb, a sheep, a goat, a bull, whatever it is, one of the things you've got to make sure that you do is you, you bring one without blemish. Bring one without blemish. Don't bring me the one with the broken leg, okay? That's not what I want. You give me the best of the best. You give me the fat of the firstborn. You give me the ones that are without blemish. And then I will accept them as sacrifices on your behalf. Well, in a sense, the Lord is saying the same thing right here. As we give to God our life, please don't give him the lazy leftovers. Please don't give him, you know, the carnal you. As you read the scriptures and as you recognize that God is pleading with you this particular truth in order to build the bridge in order to make the link, in order to connect the dots, in order to change you, if it's okay I say this, from a creepy, crawling caterpillar to a beautiful, biblical butterfly, the ball's in your court. What do you want? I mean, if you die a caterpillar, don't get me wrong, you're still going to go to heaven. You're going to go in heaven, saved by the skin of your teeth if necessary, because the blood of Jesus, it saves you. But man, do you really want to be a creepy, crawling caterpillar? I mean, you're not going to go far. So God says, now the ball's in your court. And this is what I'm asking you, man. I'm asking you this, that you would present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, because that's then acceptable to God, which is your reasonable Service. The word reasonable in the Greek is the word uh, logikos. It, it makes you know sense. It's, it's logical, you guys. What is it that holds us back so many times? Is our unwillingness to surrender everything to the Lord. You know, some of the words that we say, and if I can just say this for a second, there are a couple of things that I think are are really, you know, prevalent, especially in the scriptures. Number one is sexual immorality. Because there's a lot of that in the church. And there may be some of you here involved in that. And God says, listen, you got to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Not only the things that go on sexually, but the things that go on verbally. You know, the Bible says in the book of James chapter 3 that if you can tame your tongue, that you're a mature Christian, huh? It's like this little member within you that stirs the whole ship. It's like this little member, like a spark that can create an entire fire. How many of you here have ever had struggles with the things that you say? You're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) And it starts all these problems. Because the Lord says there's something going on in your heart that's not right. 
All I know is this. When I read this right here, God is saying this to me. Manny, walk circumspectly. Everything you say, everything you think, everything you do, everything you are, let it be surrendered to me. You may think, well, this guy's getting weird, man. I, I've got to split, <laughs> you know. Because he's trying to tell me that God wants everything radically, totally, all of me. Doesn't he realize that I live in the 21st century, man? I live in America. It doesn't matter when you live, and it doesn't matter where you live. The standards for Christianity never change. God wants all of you, you guys. And as we yield our lives to the Lord, everything that we are, you watch what God is going to do. It's going to be such an amazing thing. Next week, Lord willing, we'll cover verse 2. And from there, we'll travel farther. We'll probably do two verses the week after that. No, I'm just joking. From there, we'll start jetting through the book of Romans. But you know what? Let's meditate on these things, you guys, this week. Let's really ask the Lord you know, to show us this, how to connect the dots, how to cross this bridge, how to capture the principle from Romans 11 to Romans 12 and forward. And I think that if we do, I think if we're open, I think that God, I believe that God will change us. I don't know about you, but I think I need the Lord to change me. And so let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, Lord, and just the simplicity of it, Lord, and how you call us, Lord, to, to do things that we cannot do on our own strength. And so, Lord, here we are today, and I know my brothers and sisters are in different places in their walk, and, and some might be doing pretty good, and others really might be struggling this morning, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, for the grace that you give, for the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to allow us, Lord God, to today, in a formal and final way, Lord, present our bodies as living sacrifices, Lord, in response to the great redemption that you've given to us, Lord, that we would walk circumspectly, that we would speak words that only you approve, that we would think thoughts that, Lord, are, are right in your sight, bringing everything into captivity, Lord, as your people. And Father, I pray just in case there are any here, Lord, who, who don't know you, who, who never even have experienced the love and the forgiveness and the freedom that Jesus provides, Lord, I pray today, if there are any here today, Lord, that you, Holy Spirit, would speak to them and that, Lord, today they would know, Lord, that they need you and that you love them. And that, Lord, you would bring them to you today as well. Father, we just thank you so much that we can study your word together, Lord. Be with us now, Lord, as we fellowship, as we go uh, this week, Lord. I pray that you would allow us to live a life that would be pleasing in your sight. Thank you so much, Lord, for loving us in spite of us. In Jesus' name, amen.